I'm Laura Max Rose, mother of two, and you're listening to Look Ma No Hands, my candid dispatches from the front lines of motherhood. I ask the real, tough, honest questions on motherhood-related topics that we're all wanting to know more about, in hopes it will make everyone's journey fulfilling, easier, and more joyful. If you're not a mom, welcome. I want you to know how happy I am that you're listening and that these topics can be applied to any season of life. I'm grateful you're along for the ride. Welcome back to Look Ma No Hands. I am your host, Laura Max Rose, and I'm joined today by a very special guest, Carla White. Carla is the founder of the Gratitude app, which if you've never downloaded it before, you should just go do it now because it's my favorite app I've ever downloaded. She is a top, she has a top 20 podcast by Entrepreneur Magazine. She's been featured by Oprah. She's a number one best-selling author. Carla, welcome to Look Ma No Hands. Hey, Laura. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited to have you on. And my story of discovering Carla is actually pretty incredible. Um, 11 years ago, I was in London and I was really at like the ultimate breaking point of my life. It was that breakdown break- breakthrough, I guess, as Brene Brown calls it. That's a lot of bees. But um, I, I really kind of hit rock bottom emotionally. And um, it was the greatest gift I was ever given because I took life up on it and used it to really transform my life and what wasn't working for me. So I was 20 years old and I moved to London and um, essentially kind of subconsciously ran away from everything that wasn't working for me at my life at home where I was at school in Boston. Felt like if I could just get away from all the things that were troubling me and all of my problems, I would be able to start over and, and things would be okay. And as many people who've ever pulled a geographical might know, um, it actually works quite the opposite. Your problems only get bigger and they follow you usually um, or catch up with you wherever you are. So um, with a minimum wage job in the most expensive city in the world, I was just face to face with myself. And um, it was from there that I um, made a lot of important decisions to do things differently and found an incredible um, support system to help me do that. And one of the key ingredients in that support system was an app I discovered called the gratitude app. And, um, it was suggested to me to make gratitude lists to help myself just get through each day and find the joy in each moment, which is now a much more popular concept, but back then it was less so. And, um, a friend recommended that I download the gratitude app. It was a very simple app. You make a list of things that you're grateful for. You can write down as fewer as many items as you want. Um, and you submit it with a photo um, into your little online journal. And then you get a quote from an author or um, otherwise famous person um, who said something meaningful and you get to save that quote. And I just loved this app. Um, through getting new phones over the years, I lost it and um, kept downloading like different versions that just weren't the same. And I, I hated them. Um, and recently when this pandemic started and our quarantines began, I found myself really wanting that app back because I think we're in this place right now of just being back to basics. And it reminds me so much of my time spent in London. All of those creature comforts have been taken away from us. Um, similarly to where I, when I went overseas with a, with one suitcase for six months of my life um, and had really nothing to numb me out when I was feeling uncomfortable, um, this 
experience has been so similar for so many of us. So I went to go find that gratitude app again. And I searched and searched and I finally found that same one that I had used 11 years ago. And I was so excited. It's been updated, but it's still just the same at heart. And I love it so much. And I get an automatic email from Carla thanking me for downloading the app and saying that if I'm to reach out to her, you know, for support or whatever, that she'll get back to me within 24 hours. So I thought, okay, I'm going to see if she gets back to me because I really want her to be on my podcast. And clearly, you know what her answer was because she's here. So I'm so excited to have you. And Carla, it turns out you have an incredible story of transformation yourself, which is what you detail in that first email that you send to anyone who downloads your app. So before I go on, I would love for you to share that. Um, for anyone who doesn't know you or is listening right now. Yeah. So uh, when I, much like you, our backgrounds are so similar. I was living in London, um, running a business and the business wasn't doing very well. I'd been there for about 10 years uh, living with my then boyfriend, now husband. Um, And it was really stressful. And I was not, well, here's what I was doing. I was handling the stress in all the ways that I was taught to handle them. Let's go out and have a drink at the pub. Let's go watch some TV. Let's eat some Ben and Jerry's. You know, let's, you know, like Britain, English television is so good. You know, like they have good chocolates, right? In the UK is incredible. And like the (laughs) wine culture is different in the US. It's like much more glamorous and people really only drink wine and it's like way more socially acceptable. I yes. feel like you remember that yeah. from being in the UK. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Going down you to go the out after work and... and you have like a bottle of wine, like the whole bottle, mm-hmm. like one, everyone gets a bottle. Everybody so has a bottle. Culture. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was handling the stress culturally correct. Uh, my health started to really decline for the first time in my life. I was having like ulcers and, um, I was having, uh, panic attacks. I was having insomnia. Um, it it was pretty bad. Like it was obvious that I was (laughs) going one direction South and, but in my mind, I was just like, Oh, it'll be fine. I'm fine. Cause I was still going out for runs. I still you know, put a smile on my face. I was still the life of the party. So everything was fine. And then I got this uh, email from my mom uh, saying that a family friend had passed away. And for some reason, it was in November. And for some reason, I thought, you know what, I'm going to fly home over Christmas this year. I didn't have the money. I was planning to save that trip home for the holidays uh, for February, because my brother was expecting a baby. So I wanted to meet the baby. So I wasn't planning on going home. But I just like when I read that email, I'm like, you know, what? I think I'll just go home. So I went home in uh, over Christmas in December, month later. And I really noticed that my dad just wasn't himself. Like he's a big farmer guy. I grew up on a farm and uh, he just was, looked weak, still a big guy, but couldn't lift my suitcase. Uh, took a longer time to get up and down the stairs. All these things that were red flags. Yet I didn't say anything to anybody because I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't say anything to my sister or my brother or my mom. And so I just kind of kept it to myself and got back to London, didn't even really have my bags unpacked and got the middle of the night phone call from my brother saying that dad had passed away from a heart attack. And it just like, 
I had no safety net to begin with. I had no mental health to begin with. And so I just crumbled on the floor, cried, blamed myself, you know, went through all the motions, got even worse sick, drank even more, had even worse insomnia. Um, and it just carried on and on and on to the point where I don't know if this was the worst point, but it was a pretty uh, profound point. I was cruising down the M4, just pissed off at whatever it could have been. I have no idea. Driving my little Honda as fast as I could, just hoping that it would just flip and it would like the pain would be done. It would just be done. Right. Just I've heard. I mean, that's like classic depression, like just wanting your car to crash Mm -hmm. that visual. Yeah. 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 Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my husband, so then uh, we were married by then. uh, He said, you know, we got to we got to do something about this. And he said, let's move you back to South Dakota. And I'm like, are you crazy? You know what the winters are like there? You know how hard it I worked It was not a place you wanted here? to go back to. Yeah. Not at all. And I didn't know what else to do. And I didn't even trust my own decisions because, hey, it was my decision to keep quiet about my dad. And therefore, he's dead because of me. That was oh, the story I was, was telling That was where myself. you were going with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So uh, that was my belief when I went home and, uh, you know, now I'm like piling on even more weight because I'm not walking anywhere. We're driving everywhere, eating oh, a yeah, big American America. portion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yep. uh, not prepared for the winter. I had like some knockoff Ugg boots and a paper thin jacket and like, I hate this place and, you know, failed business behind me. Uh, even worse insomnia, just like... I thought when I was in London, it was bad. I I didn't know how much worse it could get, but it got worse and ended up in the hospital, double pneumonia. And the doctor says to me, here's something for your pneumonia and here's something for your depression. And at that point, I like looked around the room going, who the heck are you talking to? Because I don't have depression, like classical denial. Yeah. And did what everybody does when they have a big wake up call. How did he know? I mean, how did he not know, I guess, but like, just, yeah, he just figured I mean, it like out. Okay. all the questions that he, right. it was a woman she was yeah. asking. I mean, okay. she just could tell, right. Yeah. Sitting in there. Couldn't even, I, at that point in my life, I couldn't make it through any sort of outing, like even going to the grocery store without water leaks, like without yeah. breaking down in tears at some point or shouting or, you know, like. I was either angry or sad or rage or some mix of emotions by that point. Yeah. And uh, so I went home, did what everybody everybody does when they're like, holy cow, what now? What am I going to do? You get on Google and you Google depression cures, right? Right. And uh, like you said, gratitude was not a thing then. Yeah, it wasn't. People weren't really talking about it the way they do now at all. Not at all. And I came across just writing down some things each day that you felt good about. They they didn't even call it a gratitude journal. And I'm like, hey, I can do that. I'll try that. And started writing down, um, like you, as many things as I could. And I was about two months into this little experiment, as I called it out for a walk. It's spring. It's warmer out. And in fact, it was probably about this time of the year. And I'm going through my head what I'm going to write in my journal later that day. 
it it just like, that's just something you did because when it comes to writing, you kind of want to be prepared. Right. Right. So I'm like, while I'm sleeping good, I lost some weight. I got a job offer. Uh, you know, I'm getting on with my husband better, all these things, like I'm going through my head and I'm like, holy cow, you know what? That's like a complete 180 from where my life was just and two this months was just ago. From, this was just from practicing gratitude or were there other things that were going mm, on as well? No, nothing. I was still drinking. Wow. I was wow. still, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And I learned a lot about the brain and neuroscience since then. And really the reason that it had such a profound effect immediately is because it's like, um, so we're naturally wired for happiness. And, uh, with, when you finally let go of all that anxiety and all that cortisol going through your system constantly, it's like a rubber band being pulled back so far, you're finally letting it go and it just goes flying. And uh, so when you start these practices and you have what people like to call awakenings are really awesome those first few times because it's that letting go of all the cortisol and being constantly in that high beta state that you're letting go of. And it feels so amazing because you haven't done that in so long. Normally, we do it through alcohol or binge watching or sugar. Um, it'll give us these endorphin rushes or uh, other chemical rushes that we feel like we're letting go, but we're really not. We're compounding the effect. Uh, well, that's one of but, the things that I think is so beautiful about once we, you know, once we have any type of awakening and decide to do things differently, a lot of times, you know, let's say we've gained a lot of weight, the I, the mindset can be, oh my gosh, it's going to take me so long to lose all of this weight. But when you think about how long it took to put it on, it's actually yeah. comes off like quite quickly. And we can spend years or decades in emotional stress or agony. And mm -hmm. it does not take very long once we make a decision that we want to do things differently for that yeah. to really change and to, to change dramatically, especially yeah, in the beginning. It's like, oh my God, like, look at what I've been missing. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'm going to circle back to how the brain works so your listeners can know, but I want to finish up my story. So um, at that moment, when I realized that my life had changed by writing down in a gratitude journal, I thought, well, I've got to tell the world about this. And uh, at first I'm like, I can write a book. And then I thought, well, I read a lot of books and a lot of them didn't help. So I'm not going to write a book. And then... Um, I had my little iPod shuffle in my pocket because Steve Jobs yeah. had just come out with the iPhone like right before then. And we didn't have them here. I couldn't even get my hands on an iPhone. So I had what year was little, this? This is, uh, geez, let's go back. 2006, 2007. Okay. 2007. Yeah. It was wow. when the iPhone was released. And uh, so I said, I'm going to make an app. <laughs> <laughs> which is all really crazy because here I am in South Dakota. Nobody knows how to make an app. I didn't have any Apple products except for this little plastic people shuffle. People had Blackberries in 2000. I mean, yeah. people like most people didn't even have a smartphone necessarily. So Flip to have phones. created an app, yeah. that's like really revolutionary that you had that idea. Yeah. For years, I had to explain to people what an app was and what a gratitude journal was. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. And you ended up being, you were the first female creator yeah. of an app. Yeah. So I was the first woman to create an app. And it's so funny. I've got pictures of the app in the charts and it's like right next to uh, a smoking app or sexy girls app, like everything. You could tell that there were all the apps are being created by guys. 
That's too funny. That's too funny. Yeah. (laughs) So Carla and I are both working with our kids at home, by the way. So if you hear children in the background, that's that's what's going on, which we're going to get into later in this podcast. Like how in the world do we make this work or not? Um, Still figuring out if that's possible. But uh, anyways, sorry, go ahead, Carla. You were saying. I'm hoping you just don't hear other noises. Oh, yeah. No, don't worry about it. It's okay. It's part of the yeah. attack right now. Like right. this is life. The real this life. Is life. This is the yes. real life. Yes. Yeah. So um so yeah, the and what's amazing, you know, like back to your story, how you were able to go back to the app store 10, 11 years later after it's been launched and is still there. That's another pretty remarkable app story because most apps maybe last about a year or two. Uh, Most apps get funding. I haven't had any funding. Um, Most apps have like a big team. It's just me and And one other person. And you were featured by Oprah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was blogging at the time and um, shared my story about how gratitude had helped me. And then all the media outlets just loved it. You know, anybody who was making an app ended up in the news anyway, it seemed like. But yeah. I had a much uh, in more well, you interesting story. You have an incredible like, before and after story. Like yes. you have these photos of yourself and like what you looked like before. And then oh, you have like, I know, you know, right? You lose all the way. I mean, it's like, it's like made for people magazine, basically. So I'm not surprised, Yeah, you know, that she yeah. was, and she, and Oprah, you know, loves, she was one of the pioneers of, you know, discussing gratitude as well. So um. yeah, exactly. Yep. And I met so many people through the app. Um, One of my good friends, uh, she used the app while she was rowing across the Pacific Ocean. She's the first woman to row three oceans solo. Uh, Her name is Roz Savage. In fact, I think she's still the only woman to do three oceans solo. And uh, she reached out to, or I got wind that she was using my app on her Pacific row. And so I messaged her saying, Hey, I created that app and nothing crickets, you know, because while oh she's busy God. rowing the ocean, right? Probably meeting the queen. I mean, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. I, um, but then we became friends. Yeah. I mean, most of us don't carry a notepad around with us, right? We're told right. like, if you make a gratitude list, it's going to help you and change your mindset. And if you mm-hmm. make one in your head, it's just not quite the same no. as like really writing it down. So you have this app on your phone and you can use it anywhere. It was just an absolutely instrumental tool for me. Um, so, and I'm assuming for you, like it was your first big one was having gratitude list, but then you moved on and made more discoveries. It seems like. Yeah. So, uh, well with, with how the mind works, like it's so smart and so stupid at the same time. <laughs> like, uh, when we're watching something, for example, on TV, our mind, our, our chemical com- composition in our body doesn't know that it's being, uh, played on a television set. And so you're having those same reactions. So for example, I was at this museum on the border of Mexico and, uh, they they had us wear these virtual headsets, these virtual reality headsets, and you pretended like you were sneaking into America, and you're going, your feet are in sand, and it's hot, and you hear all the noises, and all of a sudden, in the headset, a, a pistol comes up to your head from a border patrol person, and of course, like your heart explodes out of your chest, you fall to your knees, you're like super nervous because your body is responding in a fight or flight reaction and it doesn't know that it's just fake, like it's a movie. Your body so, doesn't know that. 
No. So as we're reading about like the coronavirus or we're seeing these images of people in the hospital, your body is going to react as if that is you because it's, or your mind is. Which is stressing us out and causing us to actually be. Right. Because it's trying to keep you alive. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when... When, and, and this is what the media wants you to do. So I'm going to do a little, by the way, rant if I can. Please, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is, it's like once you discover all this. So we're naturally wired for happiness, but like the media, the news wants to provoke this out of you. They want you to be in a high stress state. They need you to do that. So then you tune into the media. Your body actually gets addicted to the cortisol, to the fight or flight chemicals that go through your body. Um, So you want to turn it, tune into it more. That's what's happening with me now. I was talking to Laura about uh, how I am wanting to read Twitter instead of writing my journal. Like uh, that's never happened before, but my body is starting to get addicted to the cortisol and I have to realize, oh, it's, well, just it's so much drama. You know, it's like, yes. I mean, like now we're talking about UFOs, like for crying out loud. Right. I, mean, I know, right? It's, just like, it's better than anything UFOs. on TV. And it's like, it's just this drama that pulls you in. And it's also like, it feels responsible to be informed yes. about it. But this mm-hmm. amount of information, I mean, human no, beings aren't created to tolerate all of this information oh. well, there's a reason why we don't have it naturally like we're really not supposed to have all of this information at once and it's extremely overwhelming like even I mean if you meditate for three hours a day you're still gonna have a really hard time like even <laughs> like processing all of this it's not something anyone's really having an easy time dealing yeah. with Yeah, if you took the news out of the whole picture, just what you're trying to juggle with the kids and like what homework are they supposed to do, where are they supposed to log in, all that stuff right there is stressful. Like there's so many new things and new information going on that you're just, it's it's overwhelming. But what happens when you're you're writing down in your journal, you can use those same uh, mechanisms of your mind and the way your body works to your advantage as well. So when you're writing things down, your body does not know if it's happening now or if it happened in the past. And this is why it's cool to write about things that have never happened before. Like just write about it like they're happening. Hey, I am so grateful that I got that trip to Hawaii for free. You know, like, because you're just tricking your mind into feeling good. It's like this. When we grew up on a farm, um, in the spring, it would be so muddy. And my dad would drive his tractor from the feed over, fill up the scoop, drive it over to the cattle that were out in the yard. And he'd do this path between the feed and the cattle with his little tractor over and over again so many times that there would eventually be grooves in the dirt from where the tractor went. And he could just not even hold the steering wheel. The tractor would just drive itself. So when you're practicing this emotionally good feeling, these gratitude over and over again, what you're doing is you're creating new super highways. You're kind of like taking Lego blocks from the crappy stuff and you're building it over into the more confident and secure. So there's something called the law of expectation, which goes like this. You're only going to put in as much effort as what you expect to get out of something. So If you're expecting a low return, you're obviously not going to put in a lot of effort. But let's take it like, you know, for people who are looking for jobs right now and they're expecting, I don't know, there's so many people out looking for a job. I don't know if I'm going to be qualified. And you're going to go into that situation 
uh, less confident. Your energy is going to be lower. You're going to say less. You're going to, your confidence is, it's going to be reflected out of you. And you're, as a result, will not get the job right. But if you went into that situation with the understanding that perhaps the hiring boss was asking about you, really wanted you to apply, of course, you'll go into that situation expecting the job. You'll say different things. You'll be way more confident. You'll crack more jokes. You'll be yourself more. And the whole dynamics are different. You'll go into it doing different things, energetically be different. So do you think that that law of expectation can help us in this situation as far as reducing our stress level? Yes. Exactly. And what are some practical ways we can apply that like to the right. corona? Like, cause I mean, I think a lot of people listening are like, okay, well, this is a virus and like, there's a higher possibility than any of us would like that we could contract it and possibly fall very, very ill or even worse mm-hmm. from it. So what, how can we really work around that mentally? Like that is a real threat. Right. Because what happens if you are, um, overly stressed, and you aren't taking any self-care, and I'm not talking about bubble baths or hair lotions or whatever. Yeah, forget all not that. talking this that stuff, right? <laughs> we are beyond that as women. We are I so think if anything, that. by the way, is established that that wasn't self-care in the first place, this is it, right? Like, <laughs> right. let's just, can we be done ever saying that any of that stuff was self-care? Like, I love a right. bubble bath as much as the next person. Like, oh my God. But like, come on. I mean, the, 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 what is the word that I'm looking for? Like the marketing of self-care as yeah. like the sort of beauty product. Like I love, I love face masking. I love all of it. It's great. But like self-care is like checking in with yourself. It's being more important to yourself than anybody else. It's yeah. prioritizing yourself. It's the action of prioritizing yourself. So like now that we've mm-hmm. cleared that up, <laughs> right. And we can I like actually to talk them- about, right. I, I like to call these power rituals, okay? Yes, so they give yeah. you power rather than other things that take away your power. Right. Um, like the news or uh, just being anxious and anxiety. So uh, the way that I came across this, like the the uh, creating the app and finding gratitude was not the happy, happy ever after ending to the story. I actually ended up slipping into another uh, depression and anxiety after we adopted our first child. And I was juggling a business and writing a book and doing speaking engagements and like momming at the time. And I was like at a whole new level of stress, still drinking and doing all these other things that I thought were um, stress relievers. And this is when I discovered power rituals. So these are rituals that actually I do throughout the day that will increase your immune system because uh, we are 99.99999% energy. So if you take our physical matter and you squish it down to like as much as you can, it'd be the size of a sugar cube. The rest of it is just energy, cells bouncing off of each other, whatnot. So the most important thing you can do right now is to protect that energy with your life. Because when you start to stress on that energy, when you start to have more cortisol going through your body, you are creating an energy energy in your body through those cells that's, I don't know, kind of bouncing all over the place. It's like me trying to do a Fortnite dance, you know, like shaking and breaking, it's not smooth like water. Like that's a happy, good feel like that. If you look at our children, they're just this natural and they're high energy. 
yes, because they don't very. have all that conflicting energy, like all that stress going on. Then, and, oh my God. Mm-hmm. I look at my kids and I'm just like, oh my God. They go to bed like at seven. They wake up at 730 the next day. They're rested. They're not worried about anything. It's like yeah. the most amazing thing to like be around them and see how worry-free they are. Like if anything helps. I mean, like it's just, it's, it's incredible watching just any children. Yeah. And that's our natural state. Yeah. It's when we get into comparing ourselves, uh, all the like through and thinking we need certain products or anyway, that's where we that's start the to stuff that stress. takes away from that. So mm-hmm. these power rituals, these help us, um, these can help us in a myriad ways, but they can also strengthen our immune system. Right. Because when your mental state is strong, then your immune system will reflect that. So give me, can you give me an example? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, of the power rituals or a power of a power ritual. Yeah. 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 So I, I broke it down to an acronym, which I called sacred. Okay. And, uh, I, they, I'll share them in the order of the acronym so you can remember them, but I do not do them in this order. I do them throughout the day whenever I can, because come on, who has an hour Especially right. now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on. No way. So um, S is for silence, which can be prayer or meditation. And um, most people say, look, I don't know how to meditate. I can't meditate. And I want to debunk a few myths about meditation. It is not turning off your mind. That's like trying to turn off your liver. Your mind is doing what it's supposed to do by thinking. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're just calming it. Okay. And uh, you can calm the mind and I won't get into how to meditate or anything like that, but we, we do naturally meditate as well. Like when you watch your children playing, they're in a meditative state that is a meditate, right? So, um, and there's good times to do it and those sort of things, but I won't get into all of that. Um, and so S is for silence. And if you're finding it hard to find a pocket of time to do some silence, you can get in your car, go to a parking lot and just sit there for five minutes. You're like, get in your car in the garage and just hide. You're like, find that five minutes. It's so critical for moms. Um, So, and then A actually stands for three different things. One is asking. Um, Our subconscious mind does not like open loops. So, if I say, what temperature is it? You're going to automatically think of an answer. What do you do for a living? You're going to think of it. Like it's, it's automatically wants to find that answer. So you can use asking to your advantage uh, to help you through situations. For example, uh, who could I have on my podcast this week? And don't worry about finding the answer or seeking it out yourself. You'll start to notice things. Your mind will pick up on things that it wouldn't have seen before when trying to answer those questions. Who can help me with this? What should I do with this? And you can actually use your mind. So we have something called the reticulator activating system, the RAS. And basically what it is, it's a filter on your mind to keep out information and bring in information. Because if we absorbed all the information around us, our heads would just melt down. We'd explode. It's just too much information. So like if you look at a Facebook page, most of the information on there, your your mind doesn't even see. 
So this reticulator activating system is programmed to pick up important details. And you are the person that programs it. You're the person that tells what is important. So for example, I go to my son's school, they have floor to ceiling artwork of all the kids in the school, yet I am able to walk right up and find my son's just like that, because my reticulator activating system is programmed to notice my son's stuff. I'm programmed to notice him from over and over and over repetition. This is why there are certain people that um, agree with opinions on the internet, because through conditioning of their parents and their upbringing and what they were taught to believe and whatnot is programmed into their RES. So even if something makes a lot of sense, if it goes against their RES, they'll have a hard time accepting it. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We see that all the time. Yeah. We all have it. Okay. So most people aren't using their RES to their advantage and uh, asking questions is a great way to do it. Like here's another way. I, I don't set an alarm clock in the morning. When I go to bed at night, I feel like, what time should I get up? I'd like to get up at 4.20. And usually my mind will wake up at 4.20 because you can program it to notice things and to do things. It knows it. It knows your body knows it. It knows what time it is. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I had um, one of my mentors is Dennis Waitley. He was in the secret. He's like an OG in the self-development world. And he went way deep into the reticulator activating system. And I thought, this is almost like telling me there is no Santa Claus when you tell me this, because I thought there was all this stuff like law of attraction. And like, if I, you know, like how you buy a car and you start to see that car everywhere. Well, it's because your reticulator activating system. It's not so much all that other stuff, but anyway. Oh, that's so funny. Cause I've totally <laughs> thought like whenever I want, yeah. Yeah, I totally know what you're talking about. Because whenever I'm like have a car in my mind that like I want to get, I start seeing it everywhere, and I'm like, oh, yeah. maybe that's so funny. Yeah, whenever yeah, I'm so pregnant, it's... like I only see other pregnant people everywhere yes. I go. It's like it feels like everybody's pregnant. Yeah, that's, so that's it. That that's pretty uh-huh. funny. So that's asking, um, and then I do affirmations, uh, which they have to be truthful because if you say like I'm a millionaire. And like bank statements that don't reflect it. And you know it deep down inside your whole body will do what it can to, uh, uh, prove the truth. Okay. So you're so actually doing really work. No, you're actually doing more damage. I've always <laughs> so it has to that. be truthful. Never like, yeah. I've never believed that's never made any sense to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But what has worked for me, which is something you kind of touched on before when you were talking about the law of expectations is I was thinking about this the other day. Um, before I met my husband, I really wanted to meet my husband. People like have laughed at me for sharing this, but I mean, I, I was 24 years old and I knew what I wanted. So I, um, somehow caught on to the idea that like, in order to have something in my life, I had to act like I already had it. So a lot of things Mm -hmm. in my life were set up for only one person. Um, And I started like making room for somebody else, even though somebody else wasn't there. So imagining what that would look like, um, just making room for another human. I lived in a one bedroom apartment, so it's not like there was like a lot of physical space, but making room for that and sort of like getting ready for that as though somebody was going to be joining me very soon, as though I was about to have a house guest. And I mean, I don't know if that played into my, I met my husband very shortly after doing all that. So there was something to it. And, um, I found that like, 
as my life has gone on, it's become very second nature to me. Like whenever I want something, I just start getting ready for it. I start acting like it's already happened. And it's not even something that I'm necessarily trying to do to get that thing. It's just like, all right, well, if I want it, I'm probably going to get it. So I need to get ready for it. Um, I want to have a different house. I'm getting my stuff ready to be easily moved into another house. Um, Mm -hmm. My stuff is organized so that I can easily put it into boxes. So when that day comes, I'm going to be able to do this quickly and easily. It's just something that I um, do. It's kind of like second nature for me, but I think it kind of speaks to what you were just talking about um, with setting up your expectations, but not saying like, I'm going to have a $95 million house. I'm going to have a 95 million. Cause it's like, yeah, I mean, (laughs) it doesn't, your body knows that that's not real. Just like your body knows that there's an actual threat happening right now. Um, and we have to acknowledge that we have to be honest about that and do something with that information. Yeah. But it knows it's real when, uh, you're setting up your house for another guest, right? Yeah. That's truth. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Super smart. Yeah. Act as if, um, uh, yeah, love that. So, and then the last A is appreciation, which we totally got into appreciation. Uh, and I like to call it appreciation more than gratitude because, uh, gratitude has this connotation that you had to overcome something to have it in your life. Whereas appreciation is, it was there anyway to begin with mm-hmm. and you're just acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. So, and that pulls into uh, quantum physics, which I won't get into because that's all heady stuff, but uh, it does work towards that whole advantage. Uh, And then, sorry, go ahead. I apologize. Go ahead. No, no, no. If you want to elaborate on that a little bit more. Well, all of these things kind of speak to mindset shifts, like easy ways into changing your mindset, which is a lot of what you teach on. You're actually doing a course on this coming up, the 21 day mindset reset. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yes. Will you tell us a little bit about that and um, how people can get involved if they want to? Okay. So this is a group. We do it all together as a group. Uh, And it's where I teach you how to take your old story because we're all built on stories that we tell ourselves over and over again, how you can deconstruct that and build a new story and then start to become that person in that new story. And it's 21 days because... Uh, we like to think that's how long it takes to build a new habit. It's not, you know, like it all comes down to the habit itself, but um, it's a group program. And the cool thing about it is you do it uh, through your podcast app. So you listen to it on the go. Cause I wanted something out there that moms could do that were busy. Like they can't so sit at a computer so like, for an hour. People go to 21 day, like the number two, one, day mindset challenge. Oh, mindsetreset.com. Then they can listen through their podcast app to this challenge. They can do all that. They get a little private podcast. Yeah. And then we have a group and we have uh, accountability and um, it's just like, I do it every time too, because every time I go through it, I'm like, wow, this is, I don't know. There's so many things that we tell ourselves that hold us back. So much. Well, I was I mean, reading the comments on the challenge and there was somebody who was like, this is my fourth time doing this. And like every yeah. time I, I get something new out of it. And I think like, especially right now, there's so much value to um, rewriting our story. Like how do we really mm-hmm. view ourselves? Because we all have this like bizarrely clean slate um, that we're dealing with. And like, how can we walk back into our lives um, being more of who we really want to be? 
Um, and so many of us have that within us. It's just a matter of reframing how we're looking at our situation. So speaking of how we're looking at our situation, I've had so many people get in touch with me and I've got in touch with so many people about the unsustainable situation of being a working parent with kids at home, which you are right now. Um, and you've done several Instagram stories about you know how you're dealing with that and changing the way that you're talking about your situation. Um, I've had so many people reach out to me like, I don't even know what I'm going to do because um, daycares are closed, schools closed, and I'm being expected to work full time. And my kids, I mean, this doesn't feel like a sustainable situation to me, even though I've taken all the advice of all the experts trying to let go of expectations for myself. It's still really challenging. So I'm wondering what your take is on that and how you've been coping over the last, you know, several months. Yeah, it's it, <laughs> how have I been coping? It's so interesting. A hard situation, no matter who it you are. It is. It is. It's like you just gotta for me personally, I just have to laugh at all of it. So uh I'm pretty sure when I get off this podcast, I'm gonna discover I, I just cleaned my house before it. Or not clean. I picked up stuff, right? Yes. And I'm gonna discover stuff everywhere again. Yeah. Right. And it's that routine over and over and over again, the constant interruptions. Like I cannot focus one for like five minutes and I, I, yeah. And I am my worst critic on this. I am, I am the one beating myself up over and over again, setting my own standards over and over again. And if I let that go, for a day or two, then I also have to let go a couple of people who are in my feed saying, if you aren't using this time to what, join a 5k or, you know, start oh a new God, side like, hustle. Or... <laughs> I'm waiting like... for the people. Like every time I see somebody post something like that, I'm like, Oh, you don't have kids. Oh, you don't have kids. Yeah. And like all the people on Facebook who are talking about like, how dare you leave your house for five seconds or whatever? Like, I'm like, Oh, you don't have kids either. Like everyone who's coming from like a sort of like super judgy space around mm-hmm. any aspect of this. I always immediately notice like they don't have kids at home. Like, yes. please stop telling me that I need to write my novel right now because I did all the dishes this morning only to turn around and find my daughter Violet literally in the dog's water bowl after I had changed her clothes twice because like she only, she wanted to play in the dishwasher and I moved her away from playing with the dishwater, changed her clothes because she was soaking wet, brought her back downstairs, got her away from the dishwasher, did the dishes and found her in the dog's water bowl. Like it's just like around and around we go. And I was laughing about it. I'm glad to hear that that's like, cause it's just like, there's nothing we can do, but are you really, you're really going to tell me to write my novel right now? Like, are you yeah. kidding me? Are you kidding? Yeah. Me? And then yeah. there's that. And then there's um, bosses who expect you, you know, to be on full form. And uh, unfortunately, school systems that are expecting your kid to still be completing all the schoolwork. And nobody, like usually the people who have these high expectations, one, they don't have the kids, right? Two, they don't have the system set up for it. Like if you are expecting me to do this and we need the system set up and there's no system set up because we've never been in this situation before. So there can't be. Um, So, so my dad always said, like, if you have one finger pointing at somebody, you got a few pointing back at yourself. (laughs) Very true. Yeah. 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 So, uh, and I, fortunately, I, you know, like I'm my own boss, so I don't have a boss, but I have clients and, um, 
I, I worry what they think. Like, you know, my kid comes in the back of the Zoom video with his pants down, you know, right. or something. Well, it's like we're like, all doing that. You know, that's just right? how we're getting through. My friend reached out to me the other day and she was like, I'm surviving and I'm not thriving. And that's just like kind of how it's going to be. Yes. This is over. Right. Okay. But you are thriving. People, we are thriving in other areas, like the time with our kids, the moments that we get to see that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Uh, the less commuting that we're doing, you know, the, all of that is thriving us in certain areas. So it's how you look at it. And this is going full circle back to gratitude. Our minds, again, being so s- simple, they only have a single processor. So our minds cannot be anxious and grateful at the same time. So if you're in a situation where you're like, I am messing up big time. Maybe you just told off your kid's teacher. Maybe you're like your neighbor or somebody like you just had it. If you can at all find anything to be grateful for in that moment, you will flip the switch and you will stop yourself from going down a downward spiral. And really that's all it takes is just interrupting anxiety with a bit of gratitude. Beautiful. I love that. Our minds cannot be anxious and grateful at the same time. May we all interrupt our anxiety with a little bit of gratitude. And I have been able to do that for the last decade, thanks to you. So I'm just so grateful. And I'm so grateful to you for coming on my show and being who you are and really using your journey for the good of so many. Um, If you download the gratitude app, you will get that same email from Carla. And she'll invite you along on her journey to all the different things that she offers, which are just so wonderful. Um, and you can follow her on Instagram at Hey Carla White or at the Gratitude app. And um, again, Carla, I just want to say thank you for joining me today and um, uh, for all you do. Yeah, absolutely, Laura. Thank you for being such a role model to all these women. We need it. We definitely need oh, it. Wow. So thank thank you. you very much. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate all of you listening. Thank you for joining me. Again, this is Laura Max Rose. You've been listening to Look Ma No Hands, and I'll look forward to joining you again next time. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Look Ma No Hands. I'm Laura Max Rose, and you can follow me on Instagram at Laura Max Rose to stay up to date on upcoming episodes and the behind the scenes of my life with my own two daughters. If you like this episode and are enjoying Look Ma No Hands, the best way you can help me spread the word is to leave a review on Apple Podcast. This is the single best way to help me reach a larger audience and share these conversations with everyone who needs to hear them. If you love something you just heard, you can also take a screenshot of the episode and share it on social media. There might be someone you know who needs to hear what you just heard, and that's another great way to make sure they do. Thank you for joining me every week. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. More next time. Mom, 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 mom.